0: Chapter eight of the Hidden Hand This Librivox recording is in the public domain recording by Bridget The Hidden Hand by EDEN Southworth Chapter eight Herbert Grayson A kind, true heart, a spirit high, that cannot fear and will not bow, is flashing in his manly eye, and stamped upon his brow. Halleck. In a few minutes Capitola came bounding up the stairs again, exclaiming joyously, "'Here he is, uncle! Here is Herbert Grayson! Come along, Herbert, you must come in and see my new uncle!' And she broke into the room, dragging before her astonished guardian, a handsome, dark-eyed young sailor, who bowed, and then stood blushing, at his enforced intrusion. "'I beg your pardon, sir,' he said, "'for bursting in upon you in this way, but—' "'I dragged him here willy-nilly,' said Capitola.' "'Still, if I had had time to think, I should not have intruded.' "'Oh, say no more, sir. You are heartily welcome,' exclaimed the old man, thrusting out his rugged hand and seizing the bronzed one of the youth. "'Sit down, sir, sit down. Good Lord, how like!' he added mentally. Then, seeing the young sailor still standing, blushing and hesitating, he struck his cane upon the floor and roared out, "'Demi, sit down, sir. When Ira Warfield says sit down, he means sit down!' "'Ira Warfield!' exclaimed the young man, starting back in astonishment. One might also say, in consternation, "'Aye, sir, Ira Warfield, that's my name. Never heard any ill of it, did you?' The young man did not answer, but continued gazing in amazement upon the speaker. "'Nor any good of it either, perhaps, eh, uncle?' archly put in Capitola. "'Silence, you monkey! Well, young man, well, what is the meaning of all of this?' exclaimed old Hurricane impatiently. "'Oh, your pardon, sir, this was sudden. But you must know I had once a relative of that name—an uncle. And have still, Herbert, and have still, lad. Come, come, boy, I am not sentimental, nor romantic, nor melodramatic, nor nothing of that sort. I don't know how to strike an attitude and exclaim, Come to my bosom, sole remaining offspring of a dear departed sister, or any of the like stage-playing. But I tell you, lad—' that I like your looks, and I like what I have heard of you from this girl, and another old woman now dead, and so— But sit down, sit down! Demi, sir, sit down, and we'll talk over the walnuts and the wine. Capitola, take your seat, too,' ordered the old man, throwing himself into his chair. Herbert also drew his chair up. Capitola resumed her seat, saying to herself, "'Well, well, I am determined not to be surprised at anything that happens, being perfectly clear in my own mind that this is all nothing but a dream.' but how pleasant it is to dream that I have found a rich uncle, and he has found a nephew, and that nephew is Herbert Grayson. I do believe that I had rather die in my sleep than wake from this dream. "'Herbert,' said old Hurricane, as soon as they were gathered around the table, "'Herbert, this is my ward Miss Black, the daughter of a deceased friend. Capitola, this is the only son of my departed sister.' Hem um, we have had the pleasure of being acquainted with each other before,' said Cap, pinching up her lip and looking demure. "'But not of really knowing who each other was, you monkey. Herbert, fill your glass. Here's to our better acquaintance.' "'I thank you, sir. I never touch wine,' said the young man. "'Never touch wine? Here's another. Here's a young prig. "'I don't believe you. Yes, I do, too. Demi, sir, if you never touch wine it's because you prefer brandy. Waiter!' "'I thank you, sir. Order no brandy for me. If I never use intoxicating liquors, it is because I gave a promise to that effect to my dying mother. "'Say no more, say no more, lad. Drink water if you like. It won't hurt you,' exclaimed the old man, filling and quaffing a glass of champagne. Then he said, "'I quarrelled with your mother, Herbert, for marrying a man that I hated. Yes, hated Herbert, for he differed with me about the tariff and—the Trinity. Oh, how I hated him, boy, until he died!' and then i wondered in my soul as i wonder even now how i ever could have been so infuriated against a poor fellow now cold in his grave as i shall be in time i wrote to my sister and expressed my feelings but somehow or other herbert we never came to a right understanding again She answered my letter affectionately enough, but she refused to accept a home for herself and child under my roof, saying that she thanked me for my offer, but that the house which had been closed against her husband, ought never to become the refuge of his widow. After that we never corresponded, and I have no doubt, Herbert, that she, naturally enough, taught you to dislike me. Not so, sir, indeed, you wrong her. She might have been loyal to my father's memory without being resentful toward you. She said that you had a noble nature— but it was often obscured by violent passions. On her dead-bed she bade me, should I ever meet you, to say that she repented her refusal of your offered kindness, and consented that it should be transferred to her orphan boy, asked old Hurricane, with the tears like raindrops in his stormy eyes. No, sir, she said not so. But yet she would not have disapproved a service offered to her son. Uncle, since you permit me to call you so— I want nothing. I have a good berth in the Susan and a kind friend in her captain. You have all your dear mother's pride, Herbert, and all his uncles. put in cap hush, magpie, but is the merchant service agreeable to you, Herbert? Not perfectly, sir, but one must be content, demi, sir. My sister's son need not be content unless he has a mind to, and if you prefer the Navy, no sir, I like the Navy even less than the merchant service. Then what would suit you, lad? Come, you have betrayed the fact that you are not altogether satisfied. On the contrary, sir, I told you distinctly that I really wanted nothing, and that I must be satisfied. And I say, Demi, sir, you shan't be satisfied unless you like to. Come, if you don't like the navy, what do you say to the army, eh? It is a proud, aspiring profession, sir, said the young man, as his face lighted up with enthusiasm. Then, Demi, if you like the army, sir, you shall enter it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Demi, the administration confound them, has not done me justice, but they'll scarcely dare to refuse to send my nephew to West Point when I demand it. To West Point! exclaimed Herbert in delight. Aye, youngster, to West Point. I shall see to it when I pass through Washington on my way to Virginia. We start in the early train tomorrow morning. In the meantime, young man, you take leave of your captain, pack up your traps, and join us. You must go with me and make Hurricane Hall your home until you go to West Point." "'Oh, what a capital old governor our uncle is!' exclaimed Cap, "'jumping up and clapping her hands. "'Sir, indeed you overwhelm me with this most unexpected kindness. "'I do not know as yet how much of it I ought to accept. "'But accident will make me, whether or no, "'your travelling companion for a great part of the way, "'as I also start for Virginia to-morrow, "'to visit dear friends there, "'whose house was always my mother's home and mine, "'and who, since my bereavement, "'have been to me like a dear mother and brother.' I have not seen them for years, and before I go anywhere else, even to your kind roof, I must go there," said Herbert gravely. And who are those dear friends of yours, Herbert, and where do they live? If I can serve them, they shall be rewarded for their kindness unto you, my boy. Oh, sir, yes, you can indeed serve them. They are a poor widow and her only son. She has seen better days, but now takes in sewing to support herself and boy. When my mother was living, during the last years of her life, When she also was a poor widow with an only son, they joined their slender means and took a house and lived together. When my mother died, leaving me a boy of ten years old, this poor woman still sheltered and worked for me as for her own son, until, ashamed of being a burden to her, I ran away and went to sea. "'Noble woman, I will make her fortune!' exclaimed old Hurricane, jumping up and walking up and down the floor." "'Oh, do, sir! Oh, do, dear uncle! "'I don't wish you to expend either money or influence upon my fortunes. "'But, oh, do educate Travers! "'He is such a gifted lad, so intellectual. "'Even his Sunday-school teacher says that he is sure to work his way to distinction, "'although now he is altogether dependent on his Sunday-school for his learning. "'Oh, sir, if you would only educate the son, he'd make a fortune for his mother. "'Generous boy, to plead for your friends rather than for yourself.' "'But I am strong enough, thank God, to help you all. "'You shall go to West Point, your friends shall go to school, "'and then to college,' said old Hurricane, "'with a burst of honest enthusiasm. "'And where shall I go, sir?' inquired Cap. "'To the insane asylum, you imp!' exclaimed the old man. "'Then, turning to Herbert, he continued, "'Yes, lad, I will do as I say, "'and as for the poor but noble-hearted widow. "'You'll marry her yourself as a reward, won't you, uncle?' "'asked the incorrigible Cap.' "'Perhaps I will you, monkey, if it is only to bring somebody home to keep you in order,' said old Hurricane. Then, turning again to Herbert, he resumed. "'As to the widow, Herbert, I will place her above want.' "'Over my head!' cried Cap. "'And now, Herbert, I will trouble you to ring for coffee. And after we have had that, I think we had better separate and prepare for our journey to-morrow.' herbert obeyed and after the required refreshment had been served and partaken of the little circle broke up for the evening and soon after retired to rest early the next morning after a hasty breakfast the three took their seats in the express train for washington where they arrived upon the evening of the same day they put up for the night at brown's and the next day major warfield leaving his party at their hotel called upon the President, the Secretary of the Navy, and other high official dignitaries, and put affairs in such a train that he had little doubt of the ultimate appointment of his nephew to a cadetship at West Point. The same evening, wishing to avoid the stage route over the mountains, he took with his party the night-boat for Richmond, where in due time they arrived, and whence they took the valley line of coaches that passed through Tip Top, which they reached upon the morning of the fourth day of their long journey. Here they found Major Warfield's carriage waiting for him, and here they were to separate, Major Warfield and Capitola to turn off to Hurricane Hall, and Herbert Grayson to keep on the route to the town of Staunton. It was as the three sat in the parlor of the little hotel, where the stage stopped to change horses, that their adieus were made. Remember, Herbert, that I am willing to go to the utmost extent of my power to benefit the good widow and her son, who were so kind to my nephew, in his need." Remember that I hold it a sacred debt that I owe them. Tell them so. And, mind Herbert, I shall expect you back in a week at furthest. I shall be punctual, sir. God bless you, my dear uncle. You have made me very happy in being the bearer of such glad tidings to the widow and the fatherless. And now I hear the horn blowing. Good-bye, uncle. Good-bye, Capitola. I am going to carry them great joy, such great joy, uncle, as you, who have everything you want, can scarcely imagine.' and shaking hands heartily with his companions, Herbert ran through the door and jumped aboard the coach, just as the impatient driver was about to leave him behind. As soon as the coach had rolled out of sight, Major Warfield handed Capitola into his carriage that had long been waiting, and took the seat by her side, much to the scandalization of Wool, who muttered to his horses, There, I told you so. I said how he'd go and bring home a young wife, and behold, he's gone and done it. "'Uncle,' said Capitola, as the carriage rolled lazily along. "'Uncle, do you know you never once asked Herbert the name of the widow you were going to befriend, and that he never told you?' "'By George, that is true. How strange! Yet I did not seem to miss the name. How did it ever happen, Capitola? Did he omit it on purpose, do you think?' "'Why, no, uncle. He, boy-like, always spoke of them as Travers and Travers's mother.' And you, like yourself, called her nothing but the poor widow, and the struggling mother, and the noble woman, and so on, and her son as the boy, the youth, young Travers, Herbert's friend, etc. I, for my part, had some curiosity to see whether you and Herbert would go on talking of them for ever, without having to use their surnames. And, behold, he even went away without naming them. By George, and so he did. It was the strangest oversight." "'but I'll write as soon as I get home and ask him. "'No, uncle, just for the fun of the thing. "'Wait until he comes back, and see how long it will be "'and how much he will talk of them without mentioning their names. "'Ha, ha, ha! So I will, Cap, so I will. "'Besides, whatever their names are, it's nothing to me. "'A rose by any other name would smell as sweet, you know. "'And if she is Mrs. Tagfoot-Waddle, "'I shall still think so good a woman exalted as Montmorency. "'Mind there, Wool, this road is getting rough.' Over it now, Marster, said Wool, after a few heavy jolts. Over it now, missus, and de rest of de way is perfectly delightful. Cap looked out of the window, and saw before her a beautiful piece of scenery. First, just below them, the wild mountain-stream of the demon's run, and beyond it the wild dell dented into the side of the mountain, like the deep print of an enormous horse's hoof, in the midst of which, gleaming redly among its richly tinted autumn woods, stood Hurricane Hall. End of Chapter 8